Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Down the blind, Andrew Jones. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won the grand final. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by my good mate again, Natty. What is doing? Guru, what's going on, champion? Just um, doing my best in ISO, watching plenty of uh, throwback games and doing stats and drinking piss. Just doing my best, mate. I watched the uh, I watched the 93 and the 2003 Grand Final last night. What have you been watching? So I've sort of started at 1990. I'm just working my way through the 90s, to be honest. The weekly rubdown is going to come out with um, a bit of a 90s series. So I'm, I've got my head in the books and doing heaps of study. Um, keeps me off the streets, mate. I'm looking forward to that little series. It'll be great. Yes, you'll be on. It'll be awesome. Um, chatting away about uh, vintage footy. We, we had a little chat before the podcast started, mate. And 90s is uh, definitely my favourite decade of football. Um, I just love everything about it. The golden era, mate. We're going to um, we're going to kick off today. We're going to compare two premiership winning teams from the nineties. We've got the uh, nineteen ninety one Penrith Panthers up against the nineteen ninety seven Newcastle Knights. I've um, I've done a pretty deep dive on Penrith, and I believe you've come up with some good stuff on Newcastle. Yeah, mate. I've covered the Knights, the Novacastrians. Um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Two top games, very similar games. And two very similar sides as well, both young sides. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, mate. Yeah, when, when you think that, you know, one featured a young Brad Fittler, the other one a young Andrew Johns, that, like, fuck, the potential in those sides, it's just massive, isn't it? Huge, mate, huge. And in both games, um, there was a couple of unsung heroes that probably didn't get the um, accolades that they deserve, um, but I'm sure we'll cover that coming up. Mate, I'm going to launch into the Penrith Panthers of 1991 now, and I guess um, for this young side, their story really starts a year earlier. Uh, they took on the Canberra Raiders in the 1990 Grand Final, and when you look back at the Raiders' side, they were just star-studded. Uh, Penrith had no right to win that game, which they didn't, and considering the team Canberra had, they did bloody well to stick in it. Um, I was lucky enough to have Mike Guy on my podcast last week. Uh, that'll be launching to the public over the next few days, and um, he told me a story that, 
it really summed up the Penrith Panthers as a young footy side. I'll let him tell it now, but um, it's got to do with their preparation for the 1990 Grand Final and what they learnt. Um, an incredible story. Take it away, MG. We went down to Regent, the big hotel in Sydney, for the grand final breakfast on the uh, Wednesday night before the game. And, and Gus was, uh, you know, he said last instructions were to you know, go to bed just a reasonable hour. I wanted to have a couple of beers, but you know, don't do anything stupid. We're, you know, we're playing three days and it's the biggest game of your life. And on that three o'clock in the morning, there's about 10 of us in a room and knock on the door and have a look through the, the peephole and see what it is. And when they looked through the people, I think Paul Smith, our winger, he said, it's us. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. So everyone's, everyone's half pissed. So we all started jumping over the lounges and trying to hide behind curtains. And um, So he walked in and here I am standing like next to a lampshade with my head behind the cover of it. And Must have been a big lampshade. He said, I can see you, mate. He said, you can't hide there. <laughs> and he said, he goes, happy, happy boys, you just lost the green fire. Kind of, you know. Walked down the, the breakfast the next day with hangovers and, um, you know, we, we kind of always just have a couple of beers on a Thursday night because back in the day it was, you train Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturday mornings, usually play on a Sunday, so it was foreign to us, but we didn't know the enormity of, of a grand final and the build-up. And look, they were with them for a long time with Raiders, who were, as you said, a star-summer team and in the end they got away with it. Um, I've only ever watched that game once, so I've never watched it again, so... Unlike the 91 grand final, which I I have on loop here at my house. When it walks in, you just sit down and have a beer, and then 91 grand final comes up. You know, another year of footy under their belt, and they played well that year as well. Um, but like you said, young side, um, full of talent, full of potential, and just that experience of losing a grand final. And it goes back to that old saying, you know, you got to lose one to win one. Um, they were in a prime position to come up against the Raiders in 91 in the grand final, um, and obviously they, they put them to the sword. And, mate, like, when, when you look back at these two sides, like, as you said, Penrith had a young side, but the team they came up against... It's fuck, oh, it's amazing they ever lost a fucking game of football. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll read the lineup to you. Gary Belcher, Paul Martin, Mal Meninga, Mark Bell, Matthew Wood, Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart, Brent Todd, Steve Walters, Glenn Lazarus, David Barnhill, Gary Coyne, Brad Clyde. Fuck me. Unbelievable. I mean, arousing, to say the least, that side. And, you know, that's 91, and it's it only got better, the Raiders side, through um, through the early 90s and then obviously into that 94 side. They were just a force to be reckoned with. Um, yeah, and for the for that young Panthers side, especially like a, an 18-year-old Brad Fittler, 18, 19-year-old Brad Fittler coming up against Mal Meninga, I mean, that matchup's beautiful. Yeah, mate. Like, when I look at that Raiders side, I look at Mal Meninga in Immortal. I look at Bradley Clyde. He's the greatest forward to ever play the game in my opinion at the moment. Uh, I look at Glenn Lazarus. He's the best front rower I've seen. You know, sort of starting to get caught up by the young guys of uh, in the modern game now. But for the way 90s footy was played, there was no one better than uh, Glenn Lazarus was there. Lazo is, I mean, watching these old games, obviously he's the fridge with eyes. He's a big boy. He's just a block of wood. But he's got that late footwork as well at the line, and he plays full aggressive football like a lot of these blokes did back in the early 90s. But I'm massive on Lazo. And then you look at Lazo, obviously, leading the, the Raiders to their premiership here and obviously in 89 as well. 
Um, oh, sorry, 90 and 89. But then he moves to the Broncos and he leads them to two grand finals. I mean, the linchpin in some of these really successful sides, Lazo. Um, I can't say enough about him. I love him. And then, mate, I, I think the most impressive of, of all after that, he goes to Melbourne. Fucking exactly. Melbourne. Yep. There is nothing doing. No one's watching them. Nothing's happening. And him and Brett Kamali just pulled together one of the most unbelievable premierships I think we're ever going to see. Um, I think also on this Raiders side... I think I've probably got them as my second best halves pairing ever in rugby league, Ricky Stewart and Laurie Daly. The only one I would put above them for club footy is probably Alf and Kevin Walters. Uh, but these two on their day, fuck, how good were they? Mate, Ricky Stewart's kicking game and his game management is almost second to none. And you watch him in this game and the 1990 grand final. And obviously this is before the days of 4020s. But if that if 4020s was in back then... He's kicking six or seven a game. I mean, just that field position um, and the possession game that he was so good at, that that was his game, and that really steered Canberra to, to win a lot of games in um, 1991. And then Laurie Daly, his running game, hard to handle, big body, um, and just lifts in those big games. And mate, I think the last one in the Raiders team that stands out for me, and you know, I think he, he's almost sort of forgotten in history, but in my opinion, if Cameron Smith didn't exist, Steve Walters is the best hooker to ever play the game. Tough bugger, isn't he? Something else. There's something in the water in that family. Yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, and he definitely lifted in this game as well. It's um, like you say, you just go one through 16, 17. I mean, it's just, you almost say, like, if you didn't know, the uh, the outcome, you go, they don't, they don't lose this game. No way. They're $1.20 favourites. Short drop out by Cameron and Evan. Oh, oh, go on, go on. Go on, get the racing Mate, I just spoke about the hooker from Canberra, but on the day, it was the hooker from Penrith that, that he was Royce the king of the day. Roycey Simmons, mate. He um, Royce played 238 games for Penrith over 11 years. He scored 15 tries over his 11-year career at Penrith. He scored two this afternoon. Unbelievable. Yeah, um, and he hadn't scored a try that year. So to go into that game being his last game with no tries and then to leave a premiership winner retire, two tries, scoring the winning try as well. Wow. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Swan song story. Mate, nine years earlier, he had his best season as far as try scoring. He scored three tries. He scored two this fucking afternoon. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's crazy. thing I love about Roy Simmons is he's, he's a throwback to that old style of hooker where if you're coming out of your own 20 or 30-meter line, um, he, he he points at some other fucker to get in there and deliver him the ball so he can take a, a tough hit up. And I love that, you know, that burrowing run. He's making 10 metres every time he runs the ball. But just that sort of mentality where he's like, right, the forwards need a break. I'm going to have a run. Um, I love that. I the for, When I look at this Penrith side, the main man, um, and I think he came, he was, he's been extremely unlucky a period of time in rugby league, he came into the game with guys like Ricky Stewart and Alf hanging around. Greg Alexander, I, I'm not sure if there's a more underrated player in the history of rugby league. Brandy's one of my favourite all-time players. Uh, he'd be in my top five. I just think the uh, the running style of halfback that he was uh, was before his time. I think 
Uh, and you see it in this game as well. They rushed him. They continued to rush him on the fifth. So he just he just ran the ball. He just continued to run the ball and make them pay um, with his legs. And then he's kicking game as well. It really was a battle of the halfbacks um, in this game. So, mate, I can't say enough about Greg, Greg Alexander. And, and if the tragedy that happened in 92 didn't happen, I think that his career would have been quite different. It, it's funny, when you look at these two halfbacks, obviously, like, if the tragedy of Ben Alexander wouldn't have occurred, fuck, Brandy's career could have been anywhere. And if the injuries didn't happen to, happen to Ricky Stewart, fuck, we could have been talking about him in the um, immortal conversation, in my opinion. It's just, it's ter- it's very unfortunate what, what's happened to both of them, especially Greg, obviously, awful. Um, when I have a look at the rest of this side, when I look in the forward pack, there's two blokes that stand out to me. MG and Johnny Cartwright. I think um, MG's well known for how aggressive he was and just how much of a complete and utter fucking lunatic he was. Um, but it's Johnny Cartwright that I think people forget just how good Cartwright was. Um, his offloading ability was just second to none. I mean, when we did see Bryce playing his absolute best footy in the NRL, you could see where he got it from, couldn't you? 100%. He's the OG. He's the OG Cardi Party. This is exactly where Bryce gets his game from. Um, hard, straight running, and then, you know, standing in the tackle, holding blokes off, and that nice little flick pass or offload as well. Um, yeah, just you watch Bryce in his when he was playing really well for Penrith, and 100%. It's his old man, isn't it? Mate, he's like, it's like if you took Bryce Cartwright's skill and just put it into Boyd Cordner's body. That that was Johnny Cartwright. Like, he just bent the line, got over the advantage line every single time and just came up with these incredible offloads, these incredible plays. He he really was something special, wasn't he? Yeah, big time. And then in this game, um, coming off the bench, he really lifted Penrith when he came on um, and just injected some of that aggression um, and hyped the game up. Um, I thought I thought Penrith went to another level when he came on. Now uh, there's a young there's a young fella playing in the centres in this game. He's age 19. Bradley Fitler. He goes up against one of the immortals, Mal Meninga. He's probably given away fucking 60 kilos in this, um, and he just did an incredible job, didn't he? There's there's one moment in this game, and you know I I know when you think grand final um, great tackles, we all think um, Scotty Sattler on Todd Byrne. Mate, I reckon Brad Vittler's tackle on Mal Meninga was even better. You remember it? Unbelievable, mate. I mean, 19 years old. What the fuck were you doing when you were 19, Guru? I, I wasn't tackling Mal. I know that. Fuck me. I was doing nothing of significance when I was 19. Even when I was playing footy, I wasn't that good. And I definitely wasn't tackling the biggest blokes and best blokes on the field. It's, it's hard to believe the 19-year-old... Did this in this game. Do you know what I mean? Like Mal Meninga, he eats pricks for breakfast out there. He's the one of the hardest blokes uh, to tackle in, in the history of rugby league. And then you've got this kid that is chopping him in half. And um, really, Mal, you know, he was kept in check. I just, yeah, tip of the hat to Brad Fittler for that. And that was really, this game was really the making of Brad Fittler. If, if anyone out there doesn't know what we're talking about, this tackle, it is on YouTube. Go to, go right now, type it up, Brad Fittler tackle on Mal Meninga. Like the, um, unfortunately, in the modern game, the chop tackle, it's kind of dead. But this, fuck, it was just textbook, wasn't it? It's tackle porn. It really is. It's, it's one of the best ever. There's two other guys that I just want to give a quick mention to in this team that, you know, people might not even remember who they are. Um, one's Brad Izzard. He fucking he just had an absolute cracking game. He scored one try and he almost scored another if it wasn't for 
an unbelievable tackle from Laurie Daly. We'll talk about that later. But Brad Izzard, you know, he's not an overly familiar name. Um, he was named in Penrith's grady, um, greatest 40-year team, I believe. He was one hell of a footballer, wasn't he? Yeah, 100%. Like I said, he had a, a fantastic game um, in this game. And he also played really well in the 1990 Grand Final as well. So, yeah, you're right. Definitely underrated. Um, and if it wasn't for that, you know, shoelace tackle, you know, he scores for sure, 100% on there, your money. There's another one, um, another bloke. He he played 5-8 this day. And, you know, this could be a um, a trivia question, really. People trying to work out who played 5-8 coming up against Laurie Daly. Steve Carter played 5-8 that day. He played 24 games during that season, scored nine tries. He really did play a crucial role. He's sort of a forgotten man in history, but mate, he was one hell of a fucking footballer, wasn't he? He was really a, just another lock out there. You know, it was a hard-running 5-8, pretty big body as well. But what he did is he, he gave he just gave the reins to Brandy to run the side and play both sides of the field. I mean, that's what you want to do when you've got the type of player um, of Brandy's caliber in your team. Uh, you just want to get the fuck out of the way and do some of the tough stuff and just, just let Greg do his thing. Yeah, mate, he just played his role perfectly. Um, the last clash in this game that, mate, I, th- this quite possibly might have been the most important clash of the entire grand final of the entire 1990 and 1991 season. Phil Gould, Tim Sheens, two of the best to ever do it. Yeah, 100%. Clash of the uh, Titans there, isn't it? Um, and like, like I keep saying, like, look at this game. Let's, you know, transport ourselves back to 91 before this game. You want to have a pun on it. There's no way you're putting your money on Penrith. It's just, it just, the whole the team, the coach, uh, the way they played the season, um, yeah, just just wow, all around the park, um, and it just goes to show you that on the day, it's anyone's game. You've just got to lift and put in. I think this is probably Phil Gould's greatest achievement as a coach to you know to go all the way to a grand final against a side that like that get beat and have to start over again again from square one and then take them all the way and defeat Canberra. And there was so much shit in that game that didn't go their way. It was not fucking funny. It's an incredible effort. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and especially when you've got young blokes on the side like Freddie, you know, um, it's a coach's job to protect those players and really nurse them through these big occasions. Um, And I thought he did a fantastic job. I just, yeah, I mean, Penrith, wow. And the jersey, I mean, their best ever jersey, you know, licorice all sorts. I mean, so good. By far and away. Mate, let's look at some big moments from that game. Um, I already spoke earlier about a try that Brad Izzard should have scored for all money. And um, Laurie Daly made an unbelievable tackle where he managed to strip the ball out of his hands. And, mate, if you watch this, it is a try for all money. If I had Brad Izzard next try, they'd already cashed out. It was a done deal. And Daly just came up with this incredible play. It just broke the game open, didn't it? Yeah, and, I mean, you could see... Some of the Panthers' heads drop because, I mean, everyone had their hands in the air. They thought, you know, for sure, um, Izzard's crossed the line. But, yeah, one of the best ever. Um, yeah, I mean, wow, there's so many moments in this game. You look back and you just go, just change the game, you know, turn the tide. Um, it was it was definitely a back-and-forth affair, a really physical game as well. I thought, I thought the 1990 grand final was a real battle for possession and field position as well. Like it was a lot of kicking, a lot of kicking for touch. 
uh, things of that nature. Whereas this game was really, it was one in the middle. It was one in the th- middle third of the field. The big boys were getting hard. And then, of course, when you've got these games in the early 90s, 60th minute, everyone's fucked. And that's when the game starts opening up and you can see these gaps and and um, the smaller blokes and the quicker blokes that are you know fleet-footed, they start making their inroads through the game and impacting the um, the way that the game runs. And that's when it gets really interesting. Well, mate, funnily enough, it was around the 60-minute mark that you know, what should have been the biggest turning point probably in Penrith history, um, Penrith returns the ball off a kick, they knock the ball on, Penrith pick it up and score, and the referee brings it back for a high tackle on the Canberra player. Um, so it goes from being a try to Penrith to a penalty to Canberra. They kick for touch 40 metres out. And um, MG, being the sort of character that he is and that we love, blew up fucking deluxe. Bill Harrigan has called playback. This, this is the biggest call of the year. I couldn't see much in the tackle. Guy has got 10 minutes. Mark Guy is in the bin for 10 minutes. You know, playing against Canberra when they're already in front and you lose a an Australian player, and you have to play a man short, it should be a done deal from there, shouldn't it? Yeah, this is the biggest testament to Panthers' game here. They really lifted in defense, um, probably for the rest of the game, to be honest. Uh, But it definitely started once MG left the field. Obviously, they've had a chat out there that they needed to lift and fill that void that MG left out in the field. Um, But their defensive game was on point. Um, Yeah, and that, that is a testament to how they won the game because you're right, should have made them pay in that 10 minutes. They should have put at least two tries on them. Um, so, yeah, went a long way. And, mate, if you said to me, okay, you have to defend for 12 men for the next 10 minutes, who are the last two halves you want to come up against? I think it would be Daly and Stewart. The way that they used to move the ball from sideline to sideline and take advantage of opportunities, I don't think there was anyone you would l- l- rather come up against less than those two. Well, mate, Daly's got some of the best footwork out there, but he can also run run you over. You know, he's a big body, runs hard. So being a defender, you're out on your feet, 60th minute, you know, you're down a player and you got Daly running at you, at you and you don't know whether he's just going to run the run you the fuck over or step you or chip over the top. You just don't know. I, it's, it's hard to fathom how they held on. Especially when, you know, when Stuart and Daly come to their edges and they're turning Mal or Brad Clyde under, Fuck, Penrith, it, it was incredible. It's probably one of the best defensive efforts we've ever seen in rugby league, in my opinion. I think so, mate. I think you, you've hit the nail on the head there. It's it's when when all the your chips are down and all the cards are coming up the other side, I mean, it really goes to the ticker, you know? Have you got it in you to put in for the next 10 minutes? Yep, you're fucking, you're done. You want a spell. You've had enough, but you just find that extra gear um, and then go again. That's that's what champions are made of, and that's that's what champion sides are built from. It's quite funny how when you look at the grand final um, last year, similar thing happened to Canberra. Ricky um, uh, Cooper Cronk had to leave the field for ten minutes, and they weren't able to take advantage of that of, of that ten minute gap. They went on to lose that grand final as, as well. It's it's funny how how history does that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah a bit of uh, history repeating itself. It's it's hard for an attacking team, especially if uh, everyone's putting pressure on everyone. Like, all right, we should be scoring here. We should be scoring, and that pressure builds. And then all of a sudden, you're not breaking the line, um, and that pressure builds again. You know what I mean? You can sort of get lost um, and fold under that pressure. Whereas they should be just playing the game that they've been playing the whole the whole game. Um, 
and you know a few few hard runs at the middle and just spread it wide and try and get them on the edges but yeah i think it's the pressure that gets to teams when they're up against um you know 12 men uh when everyone's thinking yeah you should fucking score here you should put a couple of tries on and mate um you know just after mg returns to the field uh brandy hits a fucking 40 meter field goal to go up 13 12 and penrith you know, they're, they're up by one, but against this Raiders side who can score 24 points in four minutes, you're never home. Um, then it came to Penrith had to play the ball about a metre out from the line. Brandy jumped into dummy half, put in a pretty fucking bang average kick, but it got the result. They got a repeat set. Mal Meninga dived on it. They had a line drop out, and I believe it was Gary Belcher. Um, he kicked short to the right-hand side, and it's not like how, how, how blokes kick short now where they kick it in the air like a rugby union kickoff. They used to grubber it into the dirt like an NFL short kickoff and go up for the bounce. And MG just comes charging in 110 fucking miles an hour after he just had a huge breather on the pine, catches it on the full, looks to score himself. Then who does he hear on his left-hand side coming up? Hit me, MG. Hit me. Roycey Simmons. Wow. How good. What a moment. How good. good. Roycey Simmons. That's what you want to see. Just the unassuming little bloke. Got the roughest head on him. He's just out there doing the tough stuff. Scores two fucking tries. Goes out an absolute champion and one of the best ever finishers in rugby league history. My favourite line with him is after the grand final when he said he'd buy everyone in Penrith a beer. And whenever he gets on the radio now, they always ask him and he says, oh, I've almost got round to everyone. Just a fucking champion fella, isn't he? That's his ongoing joke. He always says it. Good on him. What a what a legend. What an absolute legend. I mean, and for me, he's the standout for the uh, for the Clive Churchill. I just think that everything that went up for him on this game and the way he played the game, um, I just can't go past him. Obviously, um, Churchill went to Bradley Clyde, who had an amazing game as well. And oh, we're both on the same page with Bradley Clyde. He should be an immortal. Um, and one of my favourite moments in the game was Bradley Clyde. Um, and you see the pace on him in this play when he goes out, you know, to the to the left centre spot and yeah. breaks the line and then he lays on a try for Woods. But I just think the narrative works for Roycey Simmons, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll always be uh, Penrith's Clive Churchill medal winner, whether it's in the books or not. Mate, there was just, there's one last play I want to talk about, and I, I still think it's one of the best fucking tries I've ever seen. Um, Penrith have a play where they, they're they on about halfway, and they, they they have Greg Alexander, he turns inside, he finds someone, then they find MG, and he charges up, and he throws this round-the-corner ball without looking, and Freddie just hits it 100 miles an hour, and then Freddie throws this pass off his left shoulder where... All he can sense, he, he can hear Brad Izzard coming on his left-hand side and he just floats it without looking over his left shoulder. And it is just rugby league fucking poetry, that try, isn't it? Oh, I mean, and when you're watching Fittler out there, he's the next generation of player, right? So he's just, he's got that sharp left foot step. He's got that great vision. He's strong, a big body. And you can just see that, you know, he just stands out amongst those blokes out there um and that play beautiful i mean silky smooth that's that's rugby league porn right there that's yeah unbelievable and like if you just like if you just focus on mg for the game like you watch that play there and he's come up with that ball to set up that try you know he's won it for them there then he gets sent off he's lost it for him there then he comes back on and he wins it for him again just a fucking roller coaster wasn't it 
Yeah, roller coaster for the big fella. But that's mate, that's his game, and you had to take that um, when when you were playing with him. You know, like he's the enforcer out there. Chances are he does get sent off, but you know he's going to put on plays like that where he's you know blokes aren't going to be able to put him down. He's he's big, lanky, so he's always going to have his arm free for that offload as well. So take the good with the bad with MG. Mate, I've gone so fucking deep on Penrith, the 1991 Premiers. Tell me about 97. Let's go. Oh, mate. So, 97. It's one of my favourite years of football um, to date. Uh, I'm a North Sydney Bears fan. So, this was probably the the year that we should have won. There was a lot of expectation on us. We had the best thing. That 96-97 Bears side was just unbelievable. So, my story sort of starts there. It's going to start with a little bit of heartbreak and it's going to obviously end in, in triumph. But that game with North Sydney versus Newcastle goes into the grand final. It's all locked up. You know, uh, you've got – talk about some some fantastic tackles. We covered Fitler's tackle and Daly's tackle. But what about uh, Darren Albert's tackle on Matt Sears? When Matt Sears broke the line down that right edge, um, got past Robbie O'Davis, you know, he scores North Sydney – Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When Newcastle are out, Dalbert, it is, in my opinion, one of the two best tackles ever. I mean, you've got the Sattler tackle and this tackle. And I, I feel like... The Darren Albert tackle doesn't get the respect it deserves because it didn't happen in a grand final. But if you watch this this tackle, it is inches away from a try, and he makes the tackle. I mean, Matt Sears, how quick was he? Mate, that's the most underrated factor in this tackle. People forget how fucking quick Matt Sears was. He was one hell of a footballer. Lightning quick. And for, I mean, just to catch him is a feat in itself. But to, t- to make that tackle around the legs, drag him out. And, I mean, like I said, it was so close um, to him scoring. And that just broke my heart. And then you got JT missing a goal. He's one of the sharpshooters in the competition at the time. Newcastle win. And they go on to, um, you know, face off against the Manly Seagulls in the big dance. So this game... The Eagles versus the Knights, it's it's narrative-ville, you know. It's narrative grand final porn. There's so much in and around the game that builds the hype to it. You know, you've got Joey's injury where he, he broke his ribs a couple of weeks before the game. He's playing at a punctured lung. The, the doctors are saying, don't fucking play. You know, you could die. You've got Chief. He's, he's literally – he's got no cartilage in his fucking knees. It's bone on bone. No one knows how he's running on those knees. Um, and then you got the, a few stories that the, the Johns boys talk about. So they're leaving Newcastle, right? They're on the bus. Um, the seats aligned with Novocastrians, waving them off, wishing them good luck. And they're about 10 clicks out of Newcastle on their way to Sydney. Chief yells out, stop the fucking bus. It's up. He's got tears in his eyes. And he says, you're not coming back here tomorrow night. You don't win to do it for the city and you know the boys just said that was the turning point they all switched on they held all some of them were crying you know it's, they all had tingles and they just switched on from that moment on and it goes a lot to say chief like chief 
was the linchpin here for this grand final win. That first five minutes of that grand final, he was a fucking maniac. I think he made seven tackles, two penalties. He ripped off three heads. He was just he was leading from the from the front, and he definitely set the tone for that game and let Manly know that Newcastle were a force to be reckoned with. How amazing was he? Mate, I think it was one of the big lead-ups to um, him taking on Spud Carroll. Their, their individual battle over the years, just fuck it. We've never seen anything like it, in my opinion. Ever. I mean, that the footage of those two knocking each other out, that's one of the best highlights you'll ever see. It's just, I mean, yes, and that just builds on it. It's there. It's it's uh, Spud versus Chief. I mean, I, wa- I really watched Chief closely in the grand final because I knew the impact that he had in that first sort of five, ten minutes, and he was just unstoppable. Um, and he had to come off shortly after that because you know, the knees weren't just holding up um, and went on later on. But, yeah, just amazing. I mean, let's go through the teams. So you got the Knights, Robbie O'Davis, Darren Albert, Mad Dog McDougal, Owen Craigie, Mark Hughes, Matt Johns, Andrew Johns, Tony Butterfield, um, we've got Billy Peden, Chief Harrigan, Wayne Richards, Adam Muir, uh, I mean, Mark Glanville. That is a side, a very young side. Like you've got Craigie, he's 19, Darren Albert's 21, the Chief was 26, Joey 23, O'Davis was only 25. So a really, really young side, but so much talent, so much skill across the park. Mate, I don't think there's anyone... I, I, as a footy fan, I feel fucking robbed that I never got to see the best of Owen Craigie. Oh, yeah, like a very, very strong run-up, big body. Um, yeah, he, he he had a lot of potential. Um, he kind of went lost in this game. I thought Adam McDougall was fantastic for the Knights. Um, and it'll, it'll go into some of the moments. I'll talk about Mad Dog and his effect on the game. But first up, a minute 40 into the game, Chief takes Tuvi's head off. Spud's not happy, and then obviously those two are into it. I mean, it takes a minute forty seconds for Spud and Chief to come to blows. That's 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 what grand finals are made of, right? Mate, you see they that could have been go, playing yes. a game of chess that day, and it would have taken a minute for them to be ready to kill each other. It was just one hundred percent. Fuck, it was something else. You just don't see those rivalries anymore. All the players are too close. They're also friendly on social media. You will never see a rivalry. Like Chief and Harrigan again, you like you're not allowed to genuinely dislike people anymore. These two, fuck me, we, hated each other. Never gonna see it again. It was special. No. And then, seriously, five minutes into the game, Spud hits it up, and who just gives him the biggest us us rib rattle you'll ever see? It's Chief cuts him in half, and then Spud loses the ball um, in the play of the ball. And, you know, that's that was Chief's first five minutes. He was just hitting everything and just didn't care how high it was, how hard it was, what he did on the ground. He was just a maniac. And it's the rumor is he said before the game in the, in the sheds, he said, look, I'm just going to go mad at it because no one gets sent off in a grand final. Mate, fuck. I wouldn't want to come up against him. Gives you tingles, mate. So good. So just a couple of the, the moments in the game that I really – like stood up and took notice. Um, I thought Craig Field was fantastic that game. I thought that the Knights slept on him and it, every try that sort of came from Manly, it was to do with Craig Field. Um, they gave him space to move. Um, they held off on him and they made uh, he made them pay. 
So obviously he made space for Hopper to score. Then he put Tooves into some space, and then Tooves put Innes in. So I thought his game was really, really, really good. And it was um, it was better when Field and Cliffy Lyons were on, and they were in the halves together. I thought that was the best combination um, that they had on the field because. Cliffy Lyons came off the bench, and when he came off the bench, he really injected, I mean, that Cliffy Lyons-style play where he's just in everything. Um, yeah, I mean, just such an incredible game. What would you take out of it? Mate, I, I, I just look at this lineup and I go, fuck, how good are you doing if Cliffy Lyons is coming off the pine? Exactly, exactly. I mean, one of the best ever, Cliffy Lyons, and he was just so silky. He sort of glided across the the field. He never he never looked like he was putting much effort in. You know, he looked he looked at like he was running at about forty percent, but he was just shrugging tackles, beating beating blokes, making line breaks, putting try assists on. Um, just effortless for Cliffy Lyons. But I'll, I'll say, we we sort of chatted about Jeff Turvey being one of the toughest blokes in rugby league, and. This is one of the games that is a big testament to that. So he falls over in front of Mad Dog um, and cops a massive knee to his noggin, and he is just put into the shadow realm. He is fucking out to it. He's he's on his hands and knees. He can't get up off the ground. And then I'd say about 10 minutes later, he's backing up Cliffy Lyons, takes the ball, beats a couple of players, and then puts Innes in for a try. I mean, you just you will not see that ever again, just the way with the concussion protocol is these days. Just seeing a player like him shrug off that sort of knockout, that sort of concussion, and then just be up to put that sort of play on for Manly is just magnificent. Pound for pound, we're never seeing a tougher footballer. Not a no fucking way. chance. No way. Mate, I also, and- when, when I look at this Newcastle side, like... I would say you're looking at probably 70 to 80% of them that are local juniors as well. And two blokes that stand out for me, Glanville and Tony Butterfield. Like, it was just the premiership they deserved, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, across the park, they, they all put in. They all played um, played their part. I, I can't really name um, a bad player for the Knights. They really did put in. Um, I thought, I thought my, obviously... You got Joey and Robbie. They played. They played amazing. I thought Adam Muir was just one of their best that day. Um, can you guess how many offloads he made that game? I'm going to say eight. Yeah, nine. Nine, nine offloads. Nine yeah, offloads. Impressive stuff. Fuck. Imagine, imagine having Adam Muir in your Supercoach side. Mm, thank you. Oh, sneaky VC. Yeah, and he was just in everything. I thought. I thought he was a bit of an unsung hero, Adam Muir. It was his hundredth game. Um, and it was his last game for the Knights, and he was instrumental in that win. Um, if we just go back to the game, so if just rolling up the sleeves, doing the tough yards, um, 62 minutes into the game when everyone's starting to tie, like we said, he, he claims another skull, takes someone's head off again. Um, and then that, that sort of range from 65-minute mark to 75 minutes, it was just ludicrous. Everyone was fucked. Everyone was sucking the big ones in. There was heaps of drop ball. Um, last-ditch efforts in defense. Uh, it was back and forth, back and forth. And then you had the Joey offload to Robbie, um, and he scores under the post with his forearm. And then this game just goes to a whole another level. I mean, the fant- it was the fucking franticness of the last five minutes in this game. It just gets my heart rate up now just talking about it. It's I think it's the best, five, best finish to any 
grand final, I think, um, in the last five minutes. You were just on the edge, edge of your seat. You got Maddie with his first drop goal. It misses by a mile. Then Manly had the ball. Knights had to lift in defense, um, and they did. Hopper drops the ball. Knights have 40 meters to go with one minute left on the clock. Joey goes for a field goal. It's charged down. The ball just pops up into Albert's hands. He plays the ball, and then, boom, it's that It's that amazing try. Joey scoots off to the blind side. Natty, I'm just going to stop you there for a second, mate, because better if if we just played the um, the footage of it now. Let's, do, do you want to hear it? Insert clip. Let's baby. go for Let's it. Really, I'm hard as a cat's head. That, That is as good as it gets. I started the story with Albert with that tackle on Matt Sears. We finished with Darren Albert scoring the try. Knights win. Nova Castrians. Newcastle goes fucking mental. That's poetry. That is poetry. Baby. Mate, you can still hear Newcastle um, echoing, can't you? Oh, I mean, it really is my favorite finish to a game, um, even though... It should have been the Bears winning that game. You've just got to, you've got to love everything about the Knights. And the Knights were that sort of team where it was everyone's second favorite team. You wanted them to do well. You know, everyone loved Joey. Everyone loved Matty Chief. It was a very likable side. Um, and just to see them get that win and then the fucking party that ensued well, after mate, that. I, like, I think the thing about that game, the first half was great. The second half was brilliant. The third half was on another fucking planet. I'm thinking Joey on his skateboard. I'm thinking Daniel Johns coming on the fucking Larry Emder with him for three days. Then we've got fucking 10 years later, the Lego interview comes up. And oh, it's just a plethora of fucking entertainment in that town, isn't it? The best. The best. Matty Johns reckons coming, coming back into Newcastle on the bus... Every single fucking roundabout they went past, there was a mini piss-up in every single one. Like a mini party in every roundabout. Blokes were climbing trees, jumping onto the bus. Just mayhem. And, yeah, kidnapping Daniel Johns from his fucking house. He was sleeping in his bed. Get up. You're coming on a bender. So good. Just the best. Just everything about it. So good. And I, I, I love that image of um, Joey on the skateboard. I just think... It's 90s rugby league summed up in one fucking moment. The goat with the patch over his fucking lung, holding it in there on his skateboard, beer in hand, king of fucking Newcastle. It is, it's, I love it. I fucking love it. It's the most iconic fucking shot ever, isn't it? I mean, he's probably four days into the biggest bender of his life. He's on the Robert Tenero's. There's a quote from him and he says, we could do whatever we wanted. We did. Huge. Fuck. <laughs> oh, God. Just to be in Newcastle while that was happening. Everyone, it was a bender for everyone. I, I think the other bloke that I think he's extremely underrated as a player, you know, he's done so well since retiring from the game. And he, in media, obviously, he's the fucking king of rugby league. Fuck, if Matt Johns was born into any other family, he would be held in the highest fucking regard as a footballer. It's just brutally unlucky his fucking brother was an immortal. 
It's funny you say that because that was one of the first things I thought to myself when I was watching re-watching the game. I thought, fuck, you really do forget how good Matt Johns was as a player. Um, his running game was probably better than Andrew Johns at that time, um, taking the line on. I mean, Joey, was he just had the, the ball on a string with his passes and his kicking game. But as far as running the ball goes, I think Matt Johns had him in that game. And, um, yeah, like you said, born into any other family, and he's the top dog. I mean, it's switched now. It's flipped because he's, he's the king at Fox. And, um, I mean, Joey bumbles over his words for Channel 9. But, I mean, back in the day, how good were they together as well? They were just on the same page, same wavelength all the time. And it's funny, like, when you look now and you think, like, Joey, you know, like, and he, he won in 2001 and absolutely fucking brained it that night. But I think that 97 grand final, he, he's remembered for that play. And mistake me if I'm wrong, mate, but Matt Johns hits the post with his field goal attempt, doesn't he? Yeah. Yep. Fucking imagine if that goes in and Matt Johns wins the grand final for Newcastle. Their lives are He's completely fucking different. He was a coat of paint away from winning the grand final for Newcastle. Yep. And then as per Matt Johns' footballing life, his younger brother, the moment just appears for him. And he's yep. the fucking hero all over again. I, I think Matt Johns is so underrated in rugby league circles. And I think he's he's almost done himself a disfavor as a footballer by being such a fucking funny bloke. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. He he actually he slotted the field goal that um, sort of tied it all up for Newcastle against North. So he was definitely the first choice um, option for the field goal, um, and he had two cracks at it. And yeah, that second one just off the post, just so unlucky. Um, and Joey has a go. He misses. Well, he gets charged down, and and then yeah, just that sneaky little scoot, and it was all over. But um, fuck, what a game! What guru, what a game. Mate, an absolute cracker. Two of the best grand final sides, Penrith 91, Newcastle 97. As we, you know, we sort of said um, before we started recording, in reality, both were huge underdogs. Coming up against that Manly side, coming up against that Canberra side, like, they were star-studded. And both, you know, on paper, both should have won those games easily, but both teams stepped up beyond belief. Tell me, who wins? Penrith 1991 up against Newcastle 1997. Wow, it's so tough, isn't it? Like, anyone Panthers. So you've got, oh, man. Imagine fucking MG and Harrigan. Huge. They're, Jesus. They're, they're going, there's a fight there. There's there's a stink on there. Um, just seeing Brandy versus Joey at their peaks. Mind boggles. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? And I know he, he, he's not remembered for it. He should be. But I think watching a 19-year-old Fittler taking on a 19-year-old Owen Craigie, I don't know if I've ever seen two more naturally gifted footballers as teenagers. Both of them were fucking insane. There's 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 incredible matchups across the park. And the thing is, they're both so young and so full of potential and skill. I mean, what? Joey, Joey's not injured and play with that punctured lung, I've got to give it to Newcastle. I think it's a lot closer with him with that injury, that's for sure. Yeah, I think if he's if he's fully fit, it makes a huge difference. I, I Fuck, mate, I don't know if I can make a call on it. I, To be honest with you, going into this, because I did a deep dive on Penrith, you went huge on Newcastle, and I sort of thought, fuck, this Penrith team, to beat that Canberra side, they're unbelievable. Mate, you've just spoken about Newcastle for half an hour, and I've got no fucking clue what to say now. I'm, I, Mate, it, it's a coin flip almost for me. I... I, it's oh. it's it's way too hard. I can't pick it either. I think you've just got to look at that those matchups, and it's just mouthwatering. Johns versus Brandy, and like you said, big big chief versus MG. 
Um, fuck. Can Imagine. I throw? Can I throw another spanner in the works? To me. All right. So we're talking 1997 premiers up mm-hmm. against the 1991 premiers of the NRL. Let me throw in the Brisbane Broncos of the 1997 Super League. Fuck. Mm. Fuck, they were good, weren't they? Because that is, mate, that is, it's it's almost forgotten in rugby league history, but that is one hell of a fucking team. Let me read some names to you. Uh, Darren Lockyer, Michael DeVere, Steve Renolf, Anthony Mundine, Wendell Saylor, Kevin Walters, Alan Langer. That's their fucking back line. It's not the Australian back line. It's the Brisbane Broncos back line. Their forward back, Brad Thorne, Andrew G, Shane Webke, Talos, oh, Peter Ryan, Darren Smith. Yeah, you don't beat them, do you? Uh, fuck, mate. I, I don't know if they... I don't know. Uh, fuck, mate. I, I honestly think if you were to have made the best team you could out of the Penrith and the fucking... Um, Side, side. I reckon it's probably side. an even battle. Yeah, <laughs> if not leaning towards Brisbane, that was just a star-studded sign, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I mean that that side's ridiculous. Um, and I guess if it was the Knights versus uh, the Broncos in that '97, it just goes. You've got it's David and Goliath, isn't it? You've got the the best side in the world versus team that everyone wants to win you know that narrative that you know the underdog um the little guy uh the the city the city that needs a win you know so i still think it's a really good grand final but i do think broncos gets it but um yeah i mean i'll tell you what mate let's do this let's go through the starting 13 of each side i'll read the fullbacks first the Penrith fullback for the 1991 grand final, Greg Barwick. For the Newcastle Knights, we had the Clive Churchill medal winner, Robbie O'Davis. And for the Brisbane Broncos, we had the man himself, Darren Lockyer. Who are you taking? Yeah, I take Lockyer. I, I, I love Robbie O'Davis, but he weighs 75 kilos. I mean, yeah, you've got to take Lockyer. Just too much skill. He's a bigger body, and he's the GOAT. Hard to go past Lockyer there. Um, yeah. On the wings, Penrith had... Uh, Graham McKay and Paul Smith. Brisbane had Michael Devere and Wendell Saylor. And Cam- and the Knights had Darren Albert and Mark Hughes. I think I'd be going Darren Albert and Wendell Saylor personally. What do you reckon? Yep. I oh, yeah, totally agree. You've got to have Darren Albert in, in there. He's just um, just the plays that he can come up with. And, I mean, Wendell Saylor, he was at his peak then. He was, he was hard to handle. Forwards couldn't even put him down. In the centres, Penrith had Brad Fittler and Cole Bentley. Brisbane came up with Steve Renoff and they had Anthony Mundine playing in the centres. And the Knights, they had Adam McDougall and Owen Craigie. I'm probably leaning towards... Fuck, I'm having Steve Renoff without a fucking doubt. And, mate, I'm probably leaning towards Mad Dog, to be honest with you. What, what are you thinking? I'm going to take Brad Fittler and McDougall. Mad yeah. Dog and, and Freddie, I just think... No Steve Renoff. No, I just think it was sort of... He had an injury-ridden year in 97 and um, just sort of coming to the end of his career. I just think I'll I'll have Mad Dog and a fresh um, 19-year-old Freddie Fittler. How's Renault scoring three tries in the grand final and you give him the Barry Brush? Yeah, fuck. Well, we can't can't agree on everything. Yeah, that's fair. All right, 5'8". We've got Kevy Walters for Brisbane. We've got Matthew Johns for Newcastle, and for Penrith, we've got Steve Carter. I think uh, Kevin Walters picks himself there, doesn't he? Yeah, big time, mate. Yeah. Got to give it to Kevy. Now, this, this is where it's interesting. Brandy at seven, Joey at seven, or Alan Langer? Uh, you take Joey if he's um, 
if he's fit. You take Joey of nineteen ninety seven over those two, really? If he's fit. Fuck, big call. I'll take yeah, I'll take Joey for sure. Fuck, alpha me every day of the week in ninety seven. That's if huge. You had, if you had a said if you had a said ninety two ninety three alpha, I would have gone. But I just think yeah, Joey in ninety seven. I'll take I'll take the man himself. All right, let's have a look at front rowers. Penrith, Paul Clark, Paul Dunn. Brisbane lined up with Brad Thorne and Shane Webke. And Newcastle lined up with Paul Harrigan and Tony Butterfield. I think for me, I would have to go Paul Harrigan. And then, oh, fuck, I love me some Brad Thorne, but I think you can't go past um, Shane Webke, can you? Uh, Chief and Webke all day, man, 100%. Yep, Chief and Webke, yeah, no doubt. Um, Second rowers, very well. Jesus Christ. MG, Barry Walker, uh, Gordon Tallis, Peter Ryan, and we've got Adam Muir and Wayne Richards. Who are you going? Adam Muir and Raging Bull. No MG? No. Oh, I, I think I'd have to go MG and Tallis personally, but fuck, as you said, Adam Muir had an absolute fucking blinder in that game. I 100% fell in love with Adam Muir rewatching this 97 grand final. He is that good. Yeah, fair shout. Let's go locks. Um, oh, fuck, one, one of my favourites. And I, I don't even know if I'm going to say it right. Uh, Cole Van Vandervoot. Do you know how to say it? Yeah, that sounds good, mate. Yeah, okay. We'll give that a punt. Sweet. Um, lock for Brisbane, Darren Smith. Oh, fuck. Extremely underrated, Darren Smith. And lock for Newcastle, Mark Glanville. I'm ruling out the Penrith lock because I refuse to say it again. So we've got Brisbane and Newcastle, Mark Glanville. Or Darren Smith. I'm personally a big fan of Darren Smith. I'd probably take him. What are your thoughts? I think both players are uh, supremely underrated, but I'll go Smith as well. Yeah. So, mate, I think we we picked... I know I had Lockyer, Renolf, Wendell Saylor, Kevin Walters, Alf, Webke, Talis, and Darren Smith. So about half of my ideal team was all Brisbane. How would you go? Were you mostly Brisbane? Yeah, mostly Brisbane. I threw a couple of spanners in the work there with obviously um, Mad Dog... And Fittler, and then obviously had Joey at half back, and but most of them Brisbane. That, that side, wow! Like whew. those in the nineties. As soon as ninety two came around, they were just fucking loose, weren't they? One hell of a side, mate. Should we? Um, who do we want to dive into next? At what do you reckon? Should we? Should we skip ahead? Try and jump in the noughties? mate. I'm happy to. I I, I love that sort of early two thousands footy. Um, you know, what I'd love to do. I'd love to do the 2004, sorry, the 2003 Panthers up against the 2005 Tigers. Just two absolute fucking fairy tales. I like it. I like it a lot. Who do you want to take? Um, I watched the Penrith game last night, so I'm happy to go through that again. But, mate, fuck, I'd, I'm, I'm jealous if you're doing the Tigers one because it's one hell of a season to go through. Give it to me. Benji, It's that is, yeah, it's pornographic, Benji's. Um, game of that 2005 grand final. I want it. Something special. Something seriously fucking special there. Both those seasons <laughs> just... Anyway, we'll, we'll save it for next week. But, mate, yep. it's been a pleasure you having you on again. Um, mate, I'm hoping you're keeping sane over there in your in your little man cave over there. Yeah, that's it. Just as long as the, the bottle O's stay open and um, KO keeps pumping out these classic games, I should be sweet. Mate, I could be sponsored by fucking KO at the moment, doing some serious <laughs> yards. Tell me about it, mate. Just streaming up to Wazoo. Enjoy, brother. I'll uh, speak to you next week. All right, mate. Chat to you later. See you, champ. See you, bro. You can take me now. I have 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Uh, I've got a few more episodes like this with Natty coming up. Uh, as we said, next week we're going over the 2003 versus 2005 grand final. Uh, 2003 being the Penrith Panthers led by Craig Gower. 2005 being the Benji and Scotty Prince led West Tigers too. Uh, real fairy tale stories that'll be great to dive into. Uh, stay tuned. Coming up this week, I've got another little podcast I'm going to do uh, talking about my footy cards I've been collecting and handing out slowly. So if you're into your NRL footy cards, uh, tune into that, have a listen. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to have a red hot crack. And then I've got another podcast launching in the next week. I was lucky enough to have on Mark Geyer for a chat the other day. You heard a little bit of that today, but um, yeah, I released the full podcast coming up in the next week or so. So stay tuned for that. Great chat with one of the absolute legends of the game. We talk everything from Penrith Panthers to the Western Reds uh, to his time with the Kangaroos. And then we have a really good chat about um, just mental health at the moment. Mark's a big advocate for um, for mental health in Australia, especially for men's mental health. So um, it's really good to have a chat with him, especially during tough time going on um you know if you are in any trouble or struggling at all make sure you reach out uh, i'm also associated with uh living on instagram so um if you do need a hand need someone to talk to make sure you reach out to one of these um fantastic sources take care of yourselves uh make sure if you enjoyed the podcast you're subscribing you're liking share with your mates and remember always kick the corners keep playing smart footy <laughs> <laughs>